The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast with your host, metaphysician, Reiki master, and hypnotherapist, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week, we will discover teachings, tips, and tools to radiate your best life ever with practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? Hello and welcome back to the Radiate Wellness Podcast, where today we radiate connection with Florence Ann Romano, who is an author, a philanthropist, a businesswoman, childcare and village advocate, personal growth strategist, and a regular guest on local news across the United States. She is the expert on community and love in this new millennium and has more than 500 media appearances discussing these topics, including here. And Florence Ann is the author of Build Your Village, a guide to finding joy and community in every stage of life. Welcome, Florence Ann. I'm so happy to have you here. Oh, thank you, Christy. I'm so thrilled to be here. This is already so joyful. I love what you represent, and this is a great place to discuss it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I I just love this topic of building the village and finding community. Um, So why did you write this book? You know, I was looking around during COVID and I thought, gosh, there's a common denominator here on a global level. And how often does that happen, Christy, that we have a common denominator on a global level? And I thought we all know what it feels like to lose our people, to lose our community, to lose the people that have their arms around us that we're used to connecting with. And then it got me thinking about that proverb that gets thrown around all the time. It takes a village to raise a child. We've all heard that. But most people have kind of cut that in half now to it takes a village. But oftentimes people are still attaching that to the idea that it's just about raising kids. 
I thought, gosh, that's so unfair because what about the people that don't have kids? Do they not deserve a village too? And of course they do. So I wanted to finally talk about the directions to the village. Like, what does it actually mean to build community? Because I hear people on social media, especially moms, bemoaning the fact that, you know, do these villagers just show up at your door? How do you find these people in your life? And I thought, gosh, it's really time to make this accessible. And so I wrote the book with six villagers that I created that I wanted to be very tangible, very relatable. And I wanted people to feel like it wasn't a heavy lift either to be able to do this work, that a lot of this already exists in your life, but you just need to start casting people in these roles in the correct ways. And then that's how you're gonna find the support. But then beyond that, also, who am I in other people's villages? What, what do I bring to the table? What are my strengths? How do I show up for people? Which of these six villagers am I? Uh, because it's important for us to do that internal evaluation in order for us to know how we can show up for people and also how we need people to show up for us. It really is kind of that circle and it needs to be symbiotic and, and synchronized. Yeah. So you talk about the six types of villagers. Yes. Yeah. Can you go over those? With yes. Us? So, yeah. So uh, accepting, dependable, cheerleader, communicator, organizer, and healer. Mm -hmm. And here, Christy, without me even giving a definition to those six, this is my favorite part of the whole thing. As soon as I say those six, People start thinking, okay, who am I? And oh, my best friend's probably the dependable one. You start just kind of casting those people just reflexively, which I love. That's the whole point. Because a lot of this, again, probably exists in your life. But one thing to also mention is, as you start to look at this landscape, kind of this individualized ecosystem that we're building here for ourselves, you start to think, you know, maybe... I am counting on this person in my life to be my healer villager. And my definition of that is simply the one that makes you feel better. The one that walks with you through it, whoever, whatever the it is, they are next to you through it. They don't fix you. They don't necessarily fix the problem either, but they're with you through it, not around it. But let's say you're putting a person in that role that is falling short, is not meeting the moment, isn't fulfilling you in that way. Maybe you've cast them incorrectly in your life. Maybe they're not the healer. Maybe they're the accepting villager. Maybe they're the dependable villager. Maybe they're better being the organizer villager, who's the one that kind of declutters both your home and your heart. You can delegate to them. They're going to bring you that peace of mind. They're going to get it done. Maybe you need to shift the seats here. The wrong people are in the wrong seats or the right people are in the wrong seats, I guess I should say. So it's it's a fun exercise I hope people find to figure out how they have constructed their friendships and how they've constructed that ecosystem. Right. I'm starting to think through my people. Yeah. <laughs> Christy, 
Can cool. I tell you, while you think through your people, I had someone DM me just yesterday to tell me that he was on his bachelor party over the weekend. And I had been on his podcast like a week or two ago. And he said, I literally was looking around at all my friends at this bachelor party and I was casting them into these six villager roles. And then I started a conversation with them about who they thought they were. And I thought on your bachelor party, you're having a conversation about the six I was thrilled. I was thrilled. But I mean, it was just too right. funny because I think people are also really trying to figure out exactly how to apply this to their lives. And I love that it feels to people very natural to start doing that internal research. Right. Well, and what better time than a bachelor party, a rite of passage, <laughs> you've got your right. people around you. Yes. Yeah, ready for this next stage, this important right. step. Right, right. With me. It was a milestone moment. And it and I think, you know, he, he probably thought to himself, you know, there's a reason these people were invited here to be with me, you know, to to celebrate this moment. And you think, okay, maybe that person's known me X amount of years, or this person's maybe a newer friend, but we connected so strongly and they've been there for me. All, all the different reasons why you have your friendships. But to go back to the subtitle of my book, you know, the to find that joy and community in every stage of life, you've heard the, the phrase, Christy, you know, people come into your life for a season, a reason, a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And in the book, one of my chapters is about when the village burns down. And sometimes the village burns down for reasons that are out of your control. Uh, it's a, it's, you know, a death in the family or uh, a loss in some sort of way, you're grieving something, or it's a breakup. Uh, uh, it could be any of those reasons that there is a, that something breaks, whatever it might be. And it doesn't necessarily mean though, that those relationships or those connections that you had did not play a significant role in your life that they weren't, it wasn't meant to happen, even if it ends. Uh, and I think that's important for us to remember that this book is supposed to be an anchor that you can come back to and keep working at as your life changes, as you transition, as the chapters of your life unfold, that you have a place that you know you can always come back to to help you solve whatever feels disconnected about your connections in life. There's a place to do that work. Right. Oh, that's beautiful. And um, when you were writing this book, how did you come up with the six different types of villagers? You know, it's funny. I had a dream actually about the book. And I, this is, I tend to do this when it comes to big decisions in my life. I usually think, all right, just go to sleep and see what kind of comes to you. You'll have the, you'll have the answer in the morning. It doesn't always work. (laughs) I sometimes I wake up and I'm like, nothing happened. So now I'm still, I'm just as confused and nothing happened. But in my dream, I was, I was picturing my friends. And I started thinking about them and giving them kind of titles. Like I can always count on you for this, for that. And then I kind of woke up and thought, you know what? Um, I think I could probably assign characteristics to people that feel like they're general enough, but also specific enough that um, they could do that work within their own communities. And that it's, 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 common enough experiences, I suppose I would say that you have with people that 
would make you think, okay, these are the, the ways that I would describe someone. So it just, that's kind of how the idea came to me was making it tangible. I wanted to create something that made it easy for people to do this work. We've all read those books, Christy, where you pick it up and you're like, I'm not going to do this. This is way too hard. You know, I mean, there's, this is too many steps, no way. And so I, I wanted people to feel like this was doable and that it was reachable because nothing's ever going to change then. If something seems like it's too hard, doesn't mean that we shouldn't do things that are hard, but this work is important work. And to make it more challenging than it already is to connect with people, I think for certain people, it's harder than others. It, it doesn't do anyone any service to, to make it complicated when it doesn't need to be. Right. Yeah. It doesn't need to be complicated at all. And these people are already in our lives for the most part. Right. Right. And if they're not, this is the fun part where you get to kind of figure out how do I go find those people that aren't here then? And I know that sounds a little scary and that sounds like it's work and it is. I always say I can give you the directions, but you know, I need you to get in the car and drive, you know, uh, these people still just aren't going to show up at your house, you know, and, you know, as much as we wish they would, but the ways we meet people, and that's something I go into to depth to in the book about how you meet people, but looking at again, your life, your interests, your passions, and then using those things then to direct those intentional steps you're going to take to make those connections. Right. So how would you go about, like if you, for example, you're needing some more people for your village, would like to have some more people for your village, where do we go about finding them? For me, I have always felt that whenever I have felt disconnected or I have never, I've felt like I need to meet new people or I'm feeling some sort of void in different places in my life, I always go back to kind of what are the beats of my heart? And philanthropy has always been top billing for me. Where can I live a life that is best in service of others? And I have noticed that every time I have felt like I am a little, I'm, I'm floating or I'm, 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 I, I'm not grounded enough. I look for opportunities to do something charitable. So for me, um, I, I really do believe that people should look at, again, what are the beats of their heart and then look for organizations, nonprofits, whatever it might be locally in your community, through your church, through friends or through what whatever it might be. Do research. Google's great for that. And join something. Join something that speaks to you because you're going to meet like-minded individuals, people that have very similar values to you. And that's going to open up a new demographic of people. That's going to be a place where you can find friendships. Um, and that, and that's a great first step. And it's not, and it, it, it also is, is it's layered, which I love too. It's yes, I'm doing something for myself, but at the same time, I'm also paying it forward. I'm also paying attention at how can I help other people and be present and, 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 and make a difference. Um, and it's not by writing a million dollar check. It could be, you know, volunteering at your local food pantry or, you know, doing, uh, you know, um, volunteering at your children's school even, or volunteering to go on field trips and you get to know the other parents more. You know, there are ways to do that in these, in these low lift ways that hopefully will have big results. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm thinking of all the places where I spend my time, spend my money to 
uh, volunteer, to donate, to, yeah. you know, to just help out in any way. And it's very easy to meet people that way when you're, you already know that you've got something in common because you're passionate about this cause, whatever it is. Right. 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 Yeah. And so, um, in the materials that your publicist forwarded to me, um, it mentions recent studies that have found that those with a strong community and support system are living longer than those <laughs> without it. That's amazing. I will give you a great example of this. So I grew up in a multi-generational home. I'm from a big old fashioned Italian family. My nana and papa, my grandparents, my mom's parents, they lived with us growing up and they both lived until their late nineties and um, died warm and cozy in their beds in our house. And I mean, it, it was an unbelievable, um, it was an unbelievable time in our lives to have them. And um, my Nana, who I do talk about in the book, she was the love of my life. So was my Papa. But, um, and I, I ended up becoming their, their caretaker. My mom, we all did it in the end, you know, when they started ailing more. And my Nana at one point, and I tell this story in the book, um, at one point she needed diapers and Nana was a very prideful woman. She would have been very independent for very long. And when I had to, to change that diaper for her one day, she said to me, oh God, Florence Ann, and I'm named after her, by the way. She mm -hmm. said, I, you know, this isn't how it's supposed to be. This is not what you're, you shouldn't have to do this. And I said, but didn't you change my diapers? Didn't you do that for me? I said, so this is full circle. This is how it's supposed to be. And, and, and I really truly do believe that. And, and, and Nana and Papa always said to us, especially at the end of their lives, that that's what they lived for that they they wanted they wanted to be around as long as they could because being in that house with all of us and being part of the rhythm of the house and the memories and the fun and the laughter they wanted to be there and i really truly believe it's why they lived as long as they did they were so joyful being a part of our family um and they were cherished and treasured and revered i mean they were everything to us and so um, not everybody gets that lucky though. And I understand that Christy, that they're not born. They don't have their grandparents living with them. And that's why I want people to feel empowered by this book, knowing that no matter what you are born into, no matter your family, you have to take control in your life. If you don't like what it looks like and the people that you have, then you have the power to go out there and find and make that family, make that community, those friends by choice, those family by choice, you have the opportunity to do that and you deserve it and you should do it. And I was very lucky, you know, growing up in the family I was, but I understand that not everybody gets that lucky. And so I want them to feel inspired to go out and be able to find that feeling that I'm describing here, because you can absolutely have it. You absolutely can. Uh, and I don't ever want people to think that just because it wasn't given to them naturally, that, that, that they're exempt from, from being able to feel all the things that I felt in, in that life. And they did, they lived a long time. Even my great aunt, I have to say, I'm going to give her, I have to give her a little shout out. She just passed away last week. My great aunt, almost 100 years old. <sighs> Good. And she, we, she lived in Vegas for most of her life. 
She, we moved her back here to be with us um, about five or six years ago. Uh, and she was completely with it. Mind could hear, could see, mind just stopped driving a few years ago, drank a martini every day. I mean, she was an exceptional, outrageous human being. And she was almost a hundred years old. And I mean, and, and so I really do believe that it's important that especially our elder community, that we still engage them. We still make them feel valued and important and give them a space to feel cherished. Um, and it, it, I do believe it changes the longevity. No, I, I completely agree. There are towns in other countries like Japan. I'm thinking there's a senior community in Japan where the people are the most long, long lived and the strong, strong sense of community. Right. Right. And I think it's interesting culturally how we see that happen. You know, there are certain cultures I know with my Italian culture, it's that way. The aunt I just mentioned who was almost a hundred, that was my Greek side of the family. Um, you, you know, there was a study that was done about the cent. I can't, I'm going to say it wrong now because the centurions or, you know, the, wherever that is, they, they label those places in the, in globally, right. one of those places I think was like a small town in Italy. And I was like, yeah, okay, you represent, you know, that's where that's, that's, that's for us. Um, but you know, it's, it, there is something to it there that we have to look at why, people are are able to access that 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 longevity and i really do believe the answer comes of course health is a part of it but it's also what's the health inside mentally heart how are you nourished in so many different ways i think that's what leads to it i i really do i, I the people around us i i you know if we're, if we're pardon me if we're all lucky enough to not have any ailments or health issues, then I really think the secret is surrounding yourself with the right people. Keeps you here longer. It does. Yeah. So let's go back to this, these six kind of archetypes, the six villagers. Um, How did you come up with this list? Like, why are these roles important? I would say that the, the six are in, these six are important because again, they're the most general way that we can look at friendships, but also with specificity. I, I always like, you know, specific, specific generalities, I suppose we'll put it, you know, and I, that sounds contradicting, but it's almost like, do you use emotion, emotion or logic to make a decision? I'm like, well, I use emotional yes. logic, <laughs> you know? So, right. Same thing. Uh, so I would say that as you're looking at the people in your life, we're looking to be seen, heard, and understood. That's how I always feel. In life, that's what I was always looking for from people. And all six of these people are doing that in a certain way, but it's also active. So let me use the um, the accepting uh, villager. I'm going to go, let me actually go through all of them. So yeah. the accepting villager is the non-judgmental one, I would say. This is the one that if you're going to confess a secret to, this is probably the one you're going to do it with. And we probably all have that person in life that we do confess secrets to, or we confide in, in some sort of way that we feel safe to do that because they're not going to judge us. Okay. That's general, but specific. Okay. So you'll see how this is going to flow then. So dependable, I always say it's the emergency contact. 
no one answers their phone anymore from what I hear. I still do. And can I tell you that I was always for all of my friends when their kids are in school, I'm always their emergency contact for their kids. If like after they call the parents, they can't get a hold of them, they call me because I will answer my phone. And so it's that it's that person that you know if you're in that ditch that you're gonna they're gonna show up. And then there's the cheerleader. That sounds simple to say the one that's going to support you, but it's not just that. It's during those transitions in your life where you need that hype person that's going to stand next to you and be like, you can do this and can help you through tough situations too that need cheerleading. Okay. Again, those are people we probably can think of in our mind that we have. The communicator. This is someone in life that is even tempered, that if they're, if you picture a stove, think of a boiling pot. They're not going to turn up the heat. They're going to put the lid on it in life. They're good at that sort of thing. Okay. I can picture that person in my head, a few different people. Then the organizer, you can delegate to them. You, and not only just, I can delegate to them. They'll give me peace of mind doing that. And, and that's what makes them good at that job. So they're decluttering both that mind and home for you. Then the healer, and I talked about this earlier, the one that makes you feel better, the one that walks with you through it, whatever it is. And it's not there just to, you know, it's not there to fix it, fix you. They're there to be your North Star in a lot of ways. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Did you know that Radiate Wellness is more than just a podcast? That's right. We're also a comprehensive holistic wellness practice. Find out about our services, practitioners, and upcoming events at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. While you're there, visit our podcast page to read more about our great guests and even donate to the podcast. If you like our podcast, you can help in other ways as well, like subscribe or follow us wherever you're listening right now. Tell a friend, a family member, or a coworker about the great content you find here. And if you wouldn't mind, please give us a thumbs up, a five-star rating, or a positive review. Sounds like a small thing, but it really helps. 
You might like to know about our Facebook communities while we're at it. We have a free community, the Radiate Wellness Community, on Facebook for news and great free content. Our subscribers group is Radiate U, as in the letter U, but also, well, you. There you'll find curated replays of past classes, guest interviews, and more. And now, back to our podcast and back to our guest. Okay, so those are the six. And I would say I give a lot of specific definitions attached to it that I feel covers the landscape of what do we look for in friendships and connection. And of course, that's not all of them. We could think of other other things too that we could attach. But those those six people give you the chance to to develop your own definitions there to expand on what I've given you. Uh, and also, you can have more than one of these people in your life. You can have six organizers. You can have ten healers. You can have whatever it could be. And you yourself could be like, "Gosh, I'm all six of these people, but I'm not all six at the same time." Maybe I'm all six at certain times of my life when I have more of myself to give, but right now I'm probably only capable of being three. And so it's, it's interesting how you can do the math and kind of, you know, divide it and, and figure it out. I'm not saying you've got six people and you're done. You can certainly have tons more and that can fill these different seats, but there's also different levels of connection with those people. We all have different friends for different reasons. There's the one you go to that, you know, you can have a drink with after a long, hard day, that's going to make you laugh. And that's the person you're going to that day. Then there's the person that's going to give you the tough love. And that's a person you have in your life for that specific reason. So again, look at the reasons why you have these friends in your life. And I'm going to say the unpopular thing. You might read this book and think, I got to fire some people from the village. You know, these uh, these people aren't, they're not, they're, they're, they're toxic. They're not serving me. And I'm not serving them. They've, they've, the, the, our relationship no longer serves a purpose. So there's, there's that side of it too. Right. Yeah. That can be a little difficult, you know, when somebody's very loyal to your right. friends and then it's hard to cut somebody loose. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But, it, but happens. it happens, you know, and, and it doesn't have to be where you sit down and have a conversation and necessarily say like, you're fired. Like, I don't want to be your friend anymore, Right. but you know, perhaps you're not going to put in the effort. Maybe you used to, because it's one-sided. Maybe you're the one that's always reaching out. You're the one that's, they're always calling when they're in crisis, but they're never there for you. And, you know, maybe you're going to start to slowly kind of pull back and maybe that natural pullback is going to let that relationship come to a natural end, perhaps. And then maybe sometimes you do have to have an uncomfortable conversation about the relationship, but that's being an adult, you know, that's being accountable. Uh, and, and again, you can say what you mean and not say it mean. I like that. Say what you mean, <laughs> but not say it mean. Right. Say what you mean, but not say it mean. I like that. <laughs> Hard to do. Hard to do sometimes because our, you know, our emotions get the best of us. Sometimes we all say things we don't mean or wish we could take back. But, you know, you can get your point across in a way that is graceful. I, I always at least try to, um, you know, sometimes, 
Sometimes you got to deliver something a little more aggressively and that's okay too, depending on the situation. But more often than not, I, I try to have a little more finesse with the way I deliver something. Right. Absolutely. It pays to do that in spades. Now in your book, you also have a chapter on depending on yourself and your yes. message. What is yes. that about? Well, the, the important work here is understanding that you are going to have to make a promise that you are going to be honest and vulnerable with yourself during this process. Cause this isn't always not, not that it's not easy. It doesn't always feel great. My sister called me actually after she, she listened to my, the audio book. Cause she said, cause I narrate it. So she's like, I want to listen to you read the book. And so I said, okay, she called me after she finished it. And she said, you know, I think I need to retitle your book. And I was like, what's it, what are you going to call it? She goes, well, for me, it's your friends stink. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so I started laughing. I'm like, no, I think I need to make some changes. I think I, there are some issues here in my friendships that I, I don't know. And, and I said, well, you know, what about you? Who do you think you are as these villagers? And she said, you know, I, I, I'm not sure if I'm doing any of this stuff well right now. I've never thought about it that way. And so going back to the original question of how do you depend on yourself? Well, I'm, I'm depending on myself in this work of writing this book and I'm still doing this work too. I'm walking the walk here, everybody. I'm doing this every day, just like you guys too. I'm depending on myself to be honest about how I'm showing up and how I'm treating myself and how I'm affecting others. I'm, I'm holding myself accountable. That's really what I'm talking about when being dependable. You have to water you. First, you know, it's that oxygen mask on the plane. You put it on yourself first before you have to help others. That's what this is about is am I putting the oxygen mask on myself first in order to be able to show up for people in the way that they deserve and the way that I want to treat people. For me, my favorite quote that I live by my life philosophy is Maya Angelou. People forget what you said. People forget what you did, but they never forget how you made them feel. And to me, that is the most important thing I can do in life is make people feel a certain way. And the only way I'm going to be able to do that is if I work on myself to know what, what do I want to be able to give to this world? What am I capable of? What does it feel like for me to be treated a certain way by the people in my life? And then also know that, and this is the hard thing for us to admit, that you're worthy of love, that you're worthy of these people in your life showing up for you and that you're worthy of asking for that help and letting that love in and all of those things. But it starts with you. That's why you being your own dependable villager is where it all begins. Right. Yeah, absolutely. No small feat, no easy task. No, no. <laughs> it's not. Not at all. Oh my gosh. So before you wrote this book, what was your, um, what was your background? 
Yeah, my background is very colorful. Well, I was a nanny for over 15 years uh, and I loved it. It was the time of my life and I really was able to be part of so many different families and so many different dynamics and observe these dynamics and relationships. And I've always been very curious, Christy, very curious about human relationships and how people connect. And so after uh, I, I stopped being a nanny, kind of retired from that, uh, I wrote a children's book called Nanny and Me, and it helped children understand the transition of being cared for by their parents to being cared for by a nanny or a caretaker, because at the time, the statistic was over 64% of families in America had a nanny or a caretaker. And that statistic has risen, obviously. Uh, and they it also rises in line with the employment rate. So I always said, this is not a trend. This is part of our culture. Now, we have to pay attention to the people we have in our lives helping us raise our children. And then that really was the catalyst. I took it one step further than after that, you know, who's around us helping us raise the you know young people in our lives, but also who's helping raise us, who's influencing us as adults. You know, it always says it starts in the, in the sandbox, but who puts the sand in the sandbox? The adults do. And so how are we going to make sure we're putting the right sand, the right quality of sand in that sandbox? Well, that's going to, we're going to have to look at who's surrounding us. Who are the people in our lives that are influencing us? Uh, because that's how we're influencing our kids. And so again, I started talking about childcare and family advocacy then after that and started doing a lot of media surrounding that. And I actually also uh, ran a digital content company called Kindred Content for many years, um, where we focused on mission-based uh, businesses and did um, digital content for, for them to bring attention to their businesses, but also the give back aspect of it, which, uh, you know, was the philanthropy part of me that I loved. So uh, my life has, has, has got, I've kind of, flowed down many different rivers, I would say, and ridden a lot of different waves. Um, but uh, during COVID, when um, I saw what happened during the pandemic, and I had merged my, my digital content business with uh, another business, I was watching that process too of community and, and, and building relationships and the right people in the right seats and all of it. Um, and it all kind of made me think about personal growth and how are we, how are we defining that today and all the different capacities that we need to be present in and pay attention to about connection. And so that's what led me today to, you know, being a personal growth strategist, uh, and wanting to really highlight connection. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this is so needed. You know what you said about the about nannies and the rise of nannies. I mean, this is mm -hmm. what people have been doing in multi-generational families and multi-generational communities. We have parents, but we also have grandparents, aunts, uncles, et cetera, helping with the children in in today's society. Yep. We don't have that connection. So we have to supply it elsewhere. You have to look for that out. You have to outsource. You have to look for that outside. Outsource. Yes. You know, this is also the issue too there. What I found when I was a nanny was so many parents, especially the moms, felt a lot of guilt surrounding 
having a nanny or putting their kids in daycare or having that help. And there was a lot of mudslinging happening too. And it still happens. And it drives me crazy where the stay at home moms versus the working moms feel like they have something to prove to each other. You know, those working moms look at the stay at home moms and think, God, what value are you really, you know, bringing to the table? You know, you're, you're, you know, you just are at home, you know, with your kids, you know, this is the mean side of it. This is not, this is not my opinion of it. This is the mudslinging. And then the stay at home moms look at the working moms and think you had these children, you're not even raising them. You know what I mean? And it's this, this, this such hate, such mean, you know, judgmental, um, you know, just just really crass and, 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 and rude behavior. I think coming from, from those camps uh, when people are not coming from a place of love. And I think, uh, first of all, we need to not be judging what's happening in other people's homes and how they're raising their children. Of course, you know, you're, you want to protect children and be advocates for children, but, you know, us judging how people are structuring their lives, that's really not for us to do. Um, however they design their lives, they should be able to do that. But the point is moms, I feel with this guilt about asking for that help is they feel like if they don't do it themselves, then they've failed in some sort of way. If they have to ask for help and having other people to love your children, it can feel competitive, you know? And, and I saw that with moms very often was, you know, the nanny would be leaving. I'll give you an example. I was that nanny. I was leaving that day uh, to go home. And the little girl, you know, said, no, 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 I don't want you to leave. I love you. I want you to leave. And, you know, here's mom home from work. And, you know, she worked so hard all day long. She's so excited to be here with her kids. And that's hard to watch, you know, to hear, to see your child, you know, clinging to someone else. Now here's the truth of the matter. I left and two minutes later, she was so happy to be hanging out with her mom. They were playing and having fun and laughing. It does, you know, it's a moment, but it's a moment that stings sometimes for, for a mom. But then I had one mom, uh, one mom that I worked for um, that said to me uh, at when that moment happened with her, with her child, she said, it never will bother me because this is what I wanted. I wanted her to love you. This is what I was hoping for. And so that that gave me a lot of relief in that moment. And that's really how it should be. I want people to look at childcare like you would look at an aunt or an uncle or a godparent in your child's life and say, wouldn't you want them to be close to them? Wouldn't you want them to love them and love that aunt, love that uncle, love that family friend that's so close? Of course, you'd want to nourish that relationship, encourage that relationship. It should be the same thing with childcare. It should be the same thing with your nanny. It should be the same thing with, you know, even if it's your mother-in-law that is, you know, watching your children, you want to encourage those relationships for your child because there's one thing in life that we can't get enough of, and that is love. So give kids as much of it as they can. Absolutely. Yeah. Whether it's the daycare provider or preschool teacher, right? right. You want the people that are caring for your child during the day to be cherished and right. part of the part of the family and part of that village exactly and it, and they and it plays such a significant role i 
I had a, a nanny fam, family that I worked for for many years. And now she's a grown up and she's married and she's having a baby. And I, it's just amazing to watch their lives unfold. Like, I know, I just can't believe it. But there was this one moment I had with her. I hadn't seen her in a few years because she had been living on the East Coast. And we went to a, a mutual friend's wedding. And I knew she was going to be there. It was like a movie moment, Christy. So I walked in the ballroom and she was across the room and she saw me and I saw her and we like ran toward each other on the dance floor. We met on the dance floor and we just hugged and we're kind of just hugging for like minutes on end. She pulled away from me with tears in her eyes and I'll even get choked up saying it now. Yeah, I can never tell stories I get choked up. She pulled away with tears in her eyes and looked at me and said, you are still the voice in my head all these years later. Oh. And that to me was the Holy grail that, that was all I could have ever asked for having been a nanny is that my time with her, not that I did everything right. I made so many mistakes, but whatever she remembered of me, it made a difference in her life. It made a difference in in how she felt loved or, you know, that she knew someone was there to take care of her and, and comfort her, whatever the case was. I, it, that moment is just etched on my heart and my brain. It, I don't know that I have ever received a higher compliment or a better gift from someone than that. Um, and now that she's having a baby, um, you know, that's been a whole new chapter of her life, you know, coming up and we've had so many discussions about that. And she's written me beautiful cards about things that she's remembered about me as her nanny and things she's going to want to pass on to her child. And I, I don't, I, I'm very lucky. I'm very, very fortunate to have had that relationship, but, um, I tell that story just so, cause I hope it inspires people to want to allow that love into their family into their home, those people, those outside people into their home. It does not devalue you as a parent. I never took the place of her parents. Her parents are incredible people. I am still very close to her parents. Um, but there's room, there's room for a lot of people, you know, there's, there's a lot of seats at the table. And if you can have a moment like that in your life with someone, oh my gosh, <laughs> I, I could have died right then and there and said, you know what? Okay. Done. I can yeah. out. I'm done. done. I did. I did something. I did something. <laughs> something. <laughs> I did something to somebody. You did something that, right. That stuck with somebody and made, made an absolute difference in her life. Right. We can always hope to do that for somebody, whether it's our, our cheerleader or organizer or <laughs> right. Right. Whatever role they have is to be that person. Right. And, and also to realize too, that it's not about actually being in physical proximity to people all the time. You know, some of my favorite relationships are people I never see. And, but we pick up the phone or when we do connect, it's like, no time has passed. We all have those friends and that's very rare too. But also knowing that our impact on people doesn't have to, again, be in person. This is something um, I do with my friends and it is, I found it very effective. And this is my challenge to, to, to the listeners, do this and see what a difference it makes in your life. When I keep the, okay, so I, I keep the text threads on my phone open. 
uh, not all of them. Sometimes I delete, you know, as I go, but I keep a lot of my like main people in those text threads open. So it reminds me to, you know, kind of keep in touch and talk to people. But let's say I talked to someone recently that I hadn't talked to in a while. Uh, and they may be uh, revealed to me, or I felt that they were feeling a little lonely, or they were going through something in their life, or I know that someone recently had passed in their family, and maybe not someone I talk to all that often. I keep that text thread open, because then when at night, when I'm looking at the people I've communicated with, it reminds me to send a text to that person. It reminds me to check in. And so I have a system with my friends and family where if I haven't heard from them in a while, I just send two words with an exclamation point because that's I'm a big exclamation point emoji person. I send wellness check and that's their signal to me, to them to write me when they're ready about their life. What's going on? How are you feeling? Give me a temperature check. It's a wellness check. It's me telling you, I'm thinking about you. I want to know how you are. When you're ready, give me an update. And that is a way that I stay connected with people, even during a busy day when life is nuts, you're not too busy to send a text. You're not too busy to do it. And that text could come at the right time in that person's life where maybe they're struggling that day and they really feel alone, but they get that text message. And those two words mean someone thought of me. It's that simple. And it doesn't take very much effort on your part. No, it doesn't. We have our phones all day long like this. So, you know, take the two seconds to find that name, write that. And then that gives them the freedom then when they're ready and they have a breather, a moment they're sitting in carpool waiting for their kids or they're going through their text right before they go to sleep at night. It gives them a moment to do that. And it it, it gives them the, the flexibility also to know that it doesn't have to be instant gratification right away. They have to answer it right away. They know that you're there when they're ready. Right. Absolutely. Well, this is very fascinating and just so heartfelt and so lovely. Um, is there anything else that you feel like we haven't discussed that is important for our listeners to know? The only thing I would say is I understand how we can feel like we don't know how to take that first step. And, you know, I answer every DM on Instagram. If you're a social media person, write me. I am really, truly your virtual village, Florence Go come talk to me. I can help you try to take that first step. We can figure what that is together, what makes sense for you in your life. Um, at the end of each chapter, I have gut checks and action steps. The gut checks are what, you know, what did I learn in this chapter? And then the action steps are things you can do today, not tomorrow, not hard today. What can I do today to take a first step? If this is a chapter that spoke to me and I want to make a movement, I want to do something intentional, you're going to be able to do that. So gut checks and action steps are, are important. And that's why this book works like a workbook. You can keep going back to it different times in your life when you're going through transition or changes or loss, whatever it is. Think of it as home. You have an anchor. When you feel out of control in your life, there is always a place to take control. And this is one of the places you can do it. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Your website again is florenceanromano.com. <clears throat> Excuse me. And there's um, all the things about the book. Uh, there's your blog. There's your media appearances. All of this on here, so easy to connect and find what you need. 
Um, thank you so much for joining me today, Florence Ann. I really appreciate it. It's been lovely talking with you. Same with you, Christy. You have such a beautiful energy. This has been so lovely. So thank you for having me. Radiate Wellness is an international community of holistic and alternative healers dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. Since 1977, Omega Institute in New York's beautiful Hudson Valley has hosted some of the best spiritual teachers and social visionaries sharing their messages of hope, healing, and transformation. On the Dropping In podcast hosted by Emmy Award-winning producer Callie Alpert, you will enjoy in-depth interviews and conversations with people like Pema Chodron, Jack Kornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, and many others on the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Also, check out the video series on Spotify.